Welcome to the Renegade Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, John Maffey, Marty Linder, and Matt Black. You can find us on Twitter at FFRenegades and visit our website at FantasyFootballRenegades.com. Welcome to this fifth podcast of the Renegade Dynasty uh, Fantasy Football. We are very excited to be with you here today. My uh, fellow presenters, John Maffey, Matt Black, and I am Marty Lindner. We are joined today by Bill Bonzak, owner of the Bulldogs franchise in our Dynasty League. So we're going to be getting a little bit of different inputs and different ideas and um, thought from Bill, which will be nice to hear from. And we're going to be going today into discussing how everybody feels about their team now that we're, we're roughly third of the way through the regular season in our league. We have a um, 12-game regular season followed by a three-game playoff. So we're going to take a little stock in our teams, uh, stock in the league, and talk about any players that are impressing us or guys that have disappointed us and where we uh, are standing right now. So, uh, Bill, uh, introduce yourself to us. Uh, Hello. uh, It's a pleasure to join you all on the podcast. I'm Bill Bonzak, owner of the Bulldogs, that was stated. This year, I think I'm the best 0-3 team. That's the league I've ever seen. You're 1-4. You're 1-4. One and four. One and three. One and three. One and three. (laughs) So looking to improve and uh, hopefully I can share some insight today. Well, where do we want to start today, John? What what team would you like to start us off and discuss how your team is? Yeah, I'm I'm happy to start off with mine since I'm at zero and four. I certainly was not expecting to be at zero and four at this point in the season. I've had a few little issues come up. Saquon Barkley got injured. Mitchell Trubisky got injured. I've had a few bad breaks where I scored decently, but just got outscored. So it happens sometimes. Uh, I do have the first waiver wire pick this week, and. One question that I'm going to have answered by all of us here is, should I pick up Chase Daniel? And if I do it, I have to drop Equinemius St. Brown most likely because he's the most obvious choice. But I like him. But then again, he's on IR. And by this time next year, we'll have more players. And who's going to get dropped? He probably will get dropped anyway. And do I fight for that few points, if any, that Chase Daniel is going to give me? Or do I just, as Marty always says, don't kill your team for one week by making a move? As you asked that, I, was, why, I, don't, I don't think I would drop Equinemius. I think I would be more likely to drop Alex Smith as I look at your roster. Yeah, but I still have hope for Alex Smith. Hmm. It's pretty old. Uh, you still have hope even with them drafting a quarterback in the first round? Oh, yeah. I think he'll go somewhere else. Kind of makes sense. How old is yeah. he? 35? He was 34, 35, yeah. He is... He is... His birthday's May. Just turned 35. If he doesn't play this year, he'll be 36 by the time he returns to the league. If I wasn't so hard up on quarterbacks, it would be an easy one to say, to do that. But I'm just I'm just hanging on by a thread for quarterbacks. I guess my argument against against keeping him, and I, I like Alex Smith as a player. I think he's been one of the more underrated quarterbacks of the last. I mean, the guy gets traded around. He's got really solid quarterback play. He wins with teams. He's, you know, he's not he's not phenomenal. He's not a top 10 quarterback, but he's definitely a good quarterback, and he's a solid quarterback. I, he's just so old, and, I'm, and he's got to find a team that wants to win with him. 
and he's going to want to play for three or four million a year. I don't know where he would go. He'd have to be a stopgap, you know, someplace like Tampa Bay if they let Winston go, even though Winston looks like he's starting to turn his career around a little bit now. <sighs> Miami, if they don't ride out Rosen next year and draft another QB, or if Rosen starts playing better this year. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if the market for a 36-year-old quarterback is as much as it used to be. I think there's a lot of young QBs coming out. Now. There's a lot of guys who can play reasonably well. I think he's better than them, but then he's 35 with a really bad injury. I have a different opinion. Okay. I think that this year we've seen 10 quarterbacks go down, and it just happens to be two of them already is on John's team. And <laughs> I agree. I don't wouldn't want to drop – the Green Bay wide receiver. I was actually thinking that I'd drop Chris Conley. He's been in the league over five years now, and I think we've seen everything we're going to see. He might have a game or two where he'll pop, but there's really not anything growing there. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think I think the wide receiver situation in Jacksonville is kind of settling, and Shark is the guy to own. Yeah, and you've yeah. got an overabundance of wide receivers. Not that you can't have enough, but that's where your roster spots are taking the most. Justin Watson? I know you like Justin Watson. He did just have his first catch of the season. Yeah, Brashad Perryman uh, just was injured hamstring, if I remember correctly. So Watson yeah. should get a chance. I, I really had planned on giving Watson this last year to – see if he would do anything. So I, I would be hesitant to drop him kind of mid-season, early season. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard for him to break out this year, though, barring an injury to uh, Godwin and or Mike Evans. Both well, of them are just playing so stellar, it's going to be hard. He doesn't to have to break out, per se, but just just to be on the first just team. Just, to be, just yeah. to be wide receiver three. To beat Brashad Perryman, really, mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. Well, yeah. uh, Bill, Bill, you did try to trade for Chris Connolly for me, so I think you've got some ulterior motives going on with your <laughs> advice. I do not. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we can work out a trade here right during the podcast. Bill, if now, you're interested in Chris Connolly, John might be willing to cut him or not cut him or trade him to you for a nice price. We already tried that. Oh. He, di- he didn't want to pay what I wanted him to pay. And, well, if you're uh, thinking about dropping him, I think you'd take a fifth-round pick, right? Well, no, nobody knows who I'm going to drop yet. And Bill just picked up a fourth-round pick, so he's got that extra one available. I'm not interested in Chris Conley. Now that now that I know how I think Medcalf and uh, Nicole Hardman are playing on my team, it's uh, not as much of an interest. Oh, oh. Metcalf I believe looks, it, it looks pretty I, legit. Yeah, Metcalf looks legit. I believe there's there's a fifth year breakout uh, phenomenon, and I think Conley could be that. What what and, what, what leads you to uh, to saying that? What that there's a fifth year breakout phenomenon? Yeah, yeah, I'd never heard that before. That's well documented on Rotoviz. It's like coming and, back around the horn. Like the, it, they stay in the league long enough, they develop enough skill and ability to you know the intrinsic knowledge of the game that in the fifth year they have it may not be a phenomenal year it may not be a top 10 year but it's a breakout year for that player where it's yeah it's almost yeah uh robert robert woods is an example it it also can happen when a player changes teams (laughs) uh, such as conley did but anyway we'll see i'm gonna have to make a tough decision let me ask you this 
would it be frowned upon in the rest of the league and especially for our our grand poobah mr uh commissioner uh if i just went with let's say i just started haskins this week he's not set to be the starter but he certainly could be and he might come in mid-game I think it might be frowned upon that you have the opportunity to pick up a QB. I, when my QB, when Aaron Rodgers went down last year and I didn't have a backup, I tried to find a backup. I picked up someone who was going to start. I did look for somebody at least to be a starter, even though I, my thought was I wasn't going to trade for a starter. I wasn't going to make a move with a, with a draft, like a first round or a second round pick trying to pick up something from somebody else. But I would try to get somebody in my waivers to at least keep my team competitive during the season. Yeah, but Dan- Daniel's probably only going to start a game or maybe two. It's it's fair to the league though if you have a starter and a QB. If you if you're intentionally not starting a QB, I know I understand your thought about not wanting to give up a player, but if you're intentionally not starting a QB, that does kind of almost throws a forfeit win. Well, I would I would start ha- I would start Haskins. Yeah, but I mean, if he's not a starter, if you're just starting a guy who might get some time, I think that gets frowned upon by the commissioner that you're. I know that's one of the reasons that one of our previous owners kind of left the league and wasn't, you know, it was that he wasn't paying attention and his lack of paying attention was caused probably through a couple games during the season. And that the commissioner wasn't too happy with that. And understandably so. I mean, you, you, you could, if somebody misses the playoff by one game and someone else beats them because they had a gimme win because somebody's not starting a QB, that, that's not a happy thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, hourly, we try to limit like intentional tanking as much as we can. You could cut Matt Bagley. I haven't gotten past the bye week for Tucker yet. He isn't playing either. No, I know Bagley's uh, injured, but uh, if he's if he's not able to play by the time Tucker has a bye, obviously I'll drop him and pick up somebody else. Honestly, Bagley, Equinemius St. Brown, Chris Conley, I kind of feel like any of those three, maybe Alex Smith, you could probably drop and pick up again next week. Because you're yeah. going to be high in waiver priority again anyway, almost for sure. Yeah. Or you can find Unless someone you get close a win to and Tiebreakers are weird. That's true. Of all of those, probably Alex Smith would be the one that people would have the least interest in. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, how are the, the quarterback needy teams doing? Oh, Daniel Jones is looking good. So yeah, we're talking. We're talking to the quarterback needy team. I yeah. know. I, I, I'm double checking to make sure there's nobody else. No, nah, I don't think there I is anybody else. No, really. Well, I, I take that back. I think the commissioner is heading towards being a quarterback needy team very quickly. He's not good. ready to admit that, though. Uh, I mean, Matt Ryan's still putting up numbers at least. Conversations have been had where he is. Um, he is indicating that he's got concerns about that, that his quarterbacks uh-huh. might be a problem. So I've, I've suggested that, and he's kind of been like, yeah, so. I can't see him picking up Alex Smith, though. I, I think it's going to be Alex Smith. That's that's a good call, Marty. All right, so that's, uh, I think, everything to say about my team. In general, how are you feeling about your team? I Opening still like up 0-4, what, what, what are you thinking about this season and seasons going forward? I mean, I still like my team. I don't know what it's going to end up, what my record's going to end up being. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm cer- certainly going to try my best, so we'll see. I mean, last year you went, what, 0-5 and, and then 7-1 and 1 or something? Something like that. I think I went 1-5 and yeah. 5 and 6-1. and 1. So 
We'll see. Makes sense. Like, like, is your being one and four factoring into your overall strategy at all? Or are you kind of just doing no. what, you, what you would have done otherwise? No, no, it's it's not it's not uh, factoring in at all. I'm just starting the players that I think are going to score the most points. Well, I, that, that makes sense. I didn't know if you were thinking, like, brewing any trades in your head, trying to figure out what you could do to accumulate draft picks or move for youth. Granted, your team's really, really young. No, my team's young. I didn't young know if you thought about that at all. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you think about it when you look at it. But when I look at my roster, I like everybody. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I, I, I think that there's uh, potential there. And it's really just been a couple injuries and some some bad timing, really. To have Bell go on a bye the week that Barkley gets injured. Mm-hmm. I had other receivers on my roster that scored touchdowns that week. You know, with the right right roster moves, I could have won the game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, without if Bell hadn't been on a bye. Again, it just kind of things just happened. Uh, Bill had a good week, so... It doesn't really change the way I feel about my team in general. I I will say this for you. Let's say you wanted to move a, a player that's older this season for picks for a team that's competitive, like Le'Veon Bell. Let's because Bell's getting a little bit older. You could, I think, there would be no problem with you doing something like that or those things like that. It may weaken your team, but you're still going to have players, and you're definitely just working on you know rejiggering. I, I think that would be acceptable. For yeah, maneuvers that for you, if maybe, you're if you're yeah. stuck in the bottom quagmire and you wanted to, you know, it because if you feel like by the time your team gets like next season, if you don't, well, Bell will probably still be uh, a cog in that success next year. But if you felt like he isn't, or you could move in a different direction, that that that's something at your point I could see you thinking about doing. Yeah, or maybe uh, Allen Robinson. Yeah, there you go. Good points. There you go. Yeah, your team's more solid than it looks. Your team definitely is better than you think. That's better than 0-4. Definitely. Definitely better than 0-4. Well, all right. We covered the Chalupa Batman. Let's jump over to Desperados, the Matt Black team. How are you doing today, Matt? Uh, I'm doing pretty okay. Okay. How's your team doing today? Um, I don't know. My, my, my team's been hard to figure out this year. DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs have both been wildly underperforming, basically week in, week out. Though a lot of my young receivers have been stepping up. Cortland Sutton's been looking really, really good. Uh, Marquise Brown's been playing solid. And Deontay Johnson, for as long as Mason Rudolph's the quarterback, looks like he might be the guy in Pittsburgh. In general, I'm feeling really, really good about my team going forward. But sitting at 2-2 two and two has got me feeling a little down. Especially when, you know, I've, I have a team that I thought was going to be really good this year. But Deshaun Watson's put up some stinkers. Josh Jacobs hadn't really been scoring. It's, it's been a weird season for me. Because I feel like my team is really, really good. But I'm sitting smack dab in the middle of the league, not doing too well. It's, it's a weird fantasy season right now because a lot of team a lot of players have scored a lot of points in chunks. And then the next mm-hmm. week their team is... The same players are largely like you know not doing much. I yeah, think Hopkins has been okay. I, I think Deshaun Watson's one of those big week, no week, big week, no week. That that's been the pattern so far. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's I'm, it's been a it's been a weird, somewhat frustrating season, though. I think you're fine. I think you should just keep running your guys out there. They're mm-hmm. better than you think. They may not be scoring touchdowns and ten points every week, but they're putting up points on the board. And in the long run, you're going to end up making making the playoffs and and making a run just because mm-hmm. of that. That consistency is really solid. Solid. Yeah. So honestly, I think I'm going to be okay. I think I'm going to comfortably get a playoff berth. And the most exciting thing about my team right now is that my oldest starter is DeAndre Hopkins at 27. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm feeling really, really good moving forward. I think I could make the playoffs this year and keep doing well, especially considering how well my young receivers have been performing. So yeah. I'm feeling good. I want Stefan Diggs to get traded or that offense to change. That's been uh, disappointing so far, to say the least. But outside of that, my team has been doing well in general well just for not really uh, any complaints just for your information uh and i know that fantasy pros isn't the ultimate source of information but Mm -hmm. uh fantasy pros right now has you at uh, a 91 (laughs) percent chance to make the playoffs yeah yeah yeah, i saw that they they still like my eight eight and five Uh uh-huh they still like my team second most uh out of everybody According yeah. to their power rankings. Yeah, their power as rankings. Yeah. Flawed as they can sometimes be. Yeah. I'm feeling good about my team. I'm just disappointed to have two close losses yeah. in back to back weeks. It hurts. Oh, yeah. But it happens. Now, speaking of uh, fantasy pros, my team has a 2% chance of making the playoffs. It's tough when you, when you don't put up 0 and 4 and your starting running back gets injured. Well, yeah, they're predicting 3 and 10 for me. While we're while we're looking at Matt's team, let's let's since I, since we both took a player next to each other and we both were semi interested in the other player, you have JJ Arcega drop side. How are you feeling about him? Uh, pretty pretty bad, honestly. I took him really high because I thought he was going to be great, and then this year we had the injury to Deshaun Deshaun Jackson and the injury to. What's his name? And the injury to Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. And so you thought opportunity. Boom. Right? I Here thought we go. opportunity. He was he was going to come out, fill that Alshon Jeffrey role, and do really well. But Wentz never looked his way. And then when he did, he dropped a, a pass or two. So I'm not feeling that great about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Um, and you know what, uh, Matt? I thought you were a genius uh, when I was watching the preseason games. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, when when he, we three yeah. went off at the very end of the yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. he looked fantastic. Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of him not having a rapport with Carson Wentz and just him being a rookie that needs development. I'm, I'm not anywhere close to getting rid of him or giving up on him, but I was really hoping that when Alshon Jeffrey went down, he would have a big game or put up some amount of numbers. But, you know, it, it happens. Luckily, my other my other rookie wide receivers are kind of making up for it. Marquise Brown and Deontay Johnson are looking really good. Preston Williams is looking like the best receiver in Miami if he can hold on to the ball. So in general, I'm feeling really good. You're definitely about, better about than I, I brought that up to say, so we have both talked about Andy Isabella because you wanted to trade for him, and he can't even get on the field in um, Arizona. So Yeah. Uh, two, yeah. two injuries to receivers. He might get on the field this week. I saw that yeah. today. Optimistically, which means he'll probably have a nice game. It's kind of like throwing David Johnson the ball last week. It's a weird offense in in um, Arizona. I don't know what's going on out there. It's a weird offense in Arizona. That's an understatement. 
It's a mess. It's a mess. Well, you got a guy who's learning. You got a guy who it's a I don't I like I don't even know Clip King. Yeah, Kingsbury like, is but, figuring out the game. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole different thing for him. So Andy Isabella, week four, thirteen percent snap count. Yeah, and that's like probably a high. That's a, he's that's just the first game he's had a catch and a target because he's been like punt returner guy. Yeah, so zero zero one and then thirteen. I don't understand that at all. I think the guy's talented. I don't understand why they're not utilizing him. But I guess they got Christian Kirk in there. You got Larry Fitzgerald. I think David Johnson must be splitting out wide. I saw none of the game, but I just saw that he went for a hundred yards. And, and they've been so. using they've been using Keyshawn Johnson a lot. <laughs> okay, let's let's jump on to our guest today, um, Mr. Bulldog. Are you there? Of course, I'm here. You've been jump on silent. Time. Well, <laughs> jump over to his team. We haven't heard from him. He's been he's been not participating. I, I was hoping he would jump in and give some of that Bill well, perspective. My, my perspective on on Desperados is is only that Diggs is going to not stay at thirteen points for the season. He had seven I, targets. I sure hope so. He had seven targets last week, and that's a high <laughs> for the year. So I I think. Minnesota is still figuring things out. They're, they wanted to be a run team, and it's not working. So I think that's going to turn real quick. But they can't I pass. I sure hope so. They can't <laughs> pass. Cousins is, is what gets me worried about Diggs. Oh. I, and I like Chris, uh, Kirk Cousins, but, man, he's ugly up there. I don't know if it's just the offense. He looked better in Washington. He is, he's been good up there, and he is bad right now. And yeah, so and, and, and Keenum looked better in uh, – in Minnesota, they should have they should have stayed where they were. Yeah, I think that offense worked for Keenum. I think I think Cousins is a throw first offense kind of quarterback, and I think Keenum is a run first offense kind of quarterback. And I think that Zimmer would like to run the ball more, and I think that would work better with with the Case Keenum kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that Cousins would work better in an offense where you throw and run off the throw. It, it, it sounds weird. But it's just how the offense sets up the, the plays, the routes, and stuff like that. I think it's just a different perspective in how the throws and everything develops. And I think it doesn't suit Cousins' game. He's more of a more volume, different kind of passer. So, yeah. Well, Bill, that's that's possible. I also yeah. kind of think Cousins uh, has been playing scared, especially this year. He's been he's been focusing in on on taking his checkdowns. He looks rattled every time pressure gets anywhere close he is misses that, his is, deep shots is that a coaching thing i mean if, if one of the things that dallas i know i'm since i follow the cowboys and i listen to a lot of local talk is the discussion for years has been that that it's there's they're risk adverse mm-hmm. that especially jason garrett is so risk adverse that that you just it, they don't throw any high potential turnover passes they don't throw any so the game gets really um, bogged down in that. And, you, you know, basically you're like trying to win a game 10 to 7, right? You're just trying to eke out victories. And I almost get the sense the discussion is that Zimmer would like to have that kind of game more. I have a really good defense and I'm going to control the game and win this thing 13 to 10 and take the risk out of it. And if he's checking down, I mean, is Zimmer, because Cook's healthy and running the ball well, is Zimmer just trying to get him to take the risk out of it too much? Because that's, that's odd that Cousin would develop a don't hit me thing. He doesn't have a huge injury history mm-hmm. and i don't think that line is terrible so i mean it's interesting that he's all of a sudden because i haven't i've only watched a few of the games i haven't really had a chance to watch that he's becoming you know check down charlie or something 
Well, I mean, he's played Chicago and Green Bay. So far, their defenses are pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, it is Kirk Cousins. It's not <laughs> Andrew Luck or something. <laughs> well, Speaking we know of Andrew, Andrew Luck. We know it's not Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck is retired. <laughs> and the owner he? of Andrew Luck, or, well, or is he? Well, let's, let's get that straight from the Bulldog's mouth right now. <laughs> it, yeah, Andrew Luck isn't coming back, but it would break my heart if he ended up on somebody else's team. <laughs> I just, I just said this year I'll keep him for a year and see what the buzz is next year because they paid him for the whole year and they paid him quite a large amount of money. And I've always gone with the thought process of follow the money. So there's something there's they want something... to keep him happy. They want to keep him happy, yeah. So it's 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 a roster spot that I I just going with a 30, 23 spots this year, and I've just kind of whited them out. So I I forget it that I you know you actually I'm not have a spot available since we traded earlier this week. So you could. I need a kicker this week. Yeah, so you can pick one up without dropping anybody. Yeah. So my team overall this year, I'm happy with the players. So I think my record of one and three is not as good as what I think my team is. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I have not selected the right players. I've scored roughly 30, 33 to 30, 32 to 33 points every week with 45 being last week. And then if you look at the efficiency, I could have scored at least 80 points in the three weeks and 60 on my worst week. So I think that's led me to not be extremely active in waivers and kind of I'm just trying to figure out what players to start every week. And it's been just a, a grind. And I've, you know, I've I've taken the Detroit players off. And that's when they go off. And then I put them back in and they they're typical Detroit players that week. So it's just been a it's been a rough go. So we have talked about this in the past on the podcast, Bill. Uh, since this is your first time on the pod, how do you go about selecting your players each week? How, how do you set your roster? Well, a lot of it goes into the matchup every week. That's that's try. That's where I try to focus it on. And um, and with the first couple weeks of the NFL, you know, I'm just I'm just not selecting right. So I think the the league is moving around a lot different this year, and it hasn't been very very easy to figure out, you know, who's going to do what from week to week. Teams are up that haven't been up previously and down that haven't been down. Like you were saying Green Bay's got a good defense, and everybody says they have a good defense, but arguably they've played up until the Eagles three crappy offenses. So their defense looked great against bad teams and then looked yeah. really bad against a good team. But Baltimore's a horrible defense this year. And, you know, in your yeah, mind, you know, you think that they're really good. So that's kind of what throws me off is trying to change the mindset. But Baltimore's and, uh, had to play, well, not the Browns. I think the Browns' D offense could be considered decent. I mean, they played the Chiefs. They played the Browns. They've had to play some def- decent offenses, and they've kind of held them in check. Miami. Well, then they shut Miami down. They held them <laughs> to 200 yards. I mean, they held the Cardinals, had that big game, they went for 350, but – then the Browns, if they could be getting their act together, they had a big game. So it'll be interesting to see where the Ravens are. Speaking of teams like that, the Ravens will be out this week. But I think the league is shaking out right now. And for like you, you have so many, so much 
kind of even talent across the board. It's hard to select because you don't know who's going to perform right now. Yeah, it's either they're either on or off. I think you know, like Sterling Shepard, you know, with with Eli Manning was nothing. You put him in, and he does well the next week. So I think everything's turning a little positive. I'm actually kind of happy for first time in a while with my receivers. I'm just trying to figure out what happens now with Eckler and uh, now that uh, Gordon's back. I, you know, it's a you know just like John had a. Uh, guy and by last week I got Eckler uh, you know this week and but uh, Gordon's back I think they're going to ease him in so I think I got one more week and then after that it's the Detroit Chicago running backs flip-flop do you think they're going to ease Gordon back I'm suspicious they're going to from everything I'm hearing and reading I think Gordon is probably not going to be back next year to, to San Diego Tim might have burned a bridge there I mean it looks obviously like he did do you think they're just going to run him out? Just use yeah, I, th- I think they're going to run him into the ground. And I think with my position of Eckler and, and, and Jackson back to back, I think I'm I'm set for the future. Yeah, as much as you could set a future with running backs, right? <laughs> it does vary year to year. Yeah, so you know, long term, I'm more happy with my team than the 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 last four weeks, which has been pretty miserable. I mean, I think I think I mean, and Gordon could come in play. Four weeks, get injured, and then you get Eckler the rest of the season. So you still have options there. Yeah, and he, he doesn't uh, – Gordon hasn't been a 16-week type of running back. So, you know, you never want to hope for a player to get injured. But uh, the stability, I think, between Eckler and John, with his backup, you know, is a good – Also, the Chargers are so injured right now that even when Gordon comes back, Eckler is likely to have a role. I think they're down to their fifth and sixth wide receivers behind. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, he's, yeah, he's, he's going to be out wide a lot, of, I think, mm-hmm. so, even with Gordon on the field. so I think so, too. Maybe run it. Yes, that, that'd be interesting. That's pretty interesting. You know, if you can get a, a running back, running wide receiver, and that might, get, might, might be able to help you in some weeks. How do you feel about David Montgomery? <laughs> so I wa- I got to watch him the, the the first week and I thought it was utterly ridiculous. Every play they had a different running back go in. <laughs> and every single it's like junior play, high, they were bringing yeah, the they, plays in with the with the with the uh, running back like junior yeah, high. Yeah, and every single play, and of course the you know the the rookie they brought in the least, you know, and he caught a twenty four uh, received a twenty four inch pass, you know. So I thought he. Look good, but how can a running back get going when they're switching out, you know, not a series, but every play between Connor and, and Davis, they were cycling in and then every fifth time they, they throw David in for one play. And it's, it was ridiculous. So it's nice to see that he's getting more snaps. And uh, I never thought he would be, uh, you know, like I said, on the draft night, he kind of fell to me and I took him because I just thought he was the best at the time i'm relatively happy but you know i don't have any bell cows on my team they're all just kind of good players so i've been searching and trying to get the uh <laughs> the barkley or you know i kind of took that with the day uh, baker mayfield that was happy last year and this year i think he'll swing around and get back to it you know to be better than he's been playing but It'd be nice to have something to hang this hat on this team. You know, my uh, I told you I'm happy with the wide receivers, but Alshon and, and Hilton are both the same age, and that's something i got to keep a good eye on. So that's how I feel about my team. I don't have a tight end to 
scratch a stick at while uh, Hurd has been suspended. So I can't wait for him to get back. But Akins has put up decent number. I mean, for tight end, Dawson, you know, Knox and Jordan Akins have put up decent numbers already. Better, I say better than mine. And I have two pretty good tight ends I'm happy with. I mean, they put numbers up with Zach Ertz. They're, they've been solid. Been where most of my work has been because I've had I was had I was down to nothing just last yeah. year ago. So no, I think you're okay at tight end. I, I I think you're under under reporting. Your tight ends are pretty solid. Your team, I think that that win, unfortunately for John last week, I think that win for you is going to at least give you an opportunity to make a get your team going towards the playoffs here if you can string a couple more together. Okay, I guess we're jumping on to my team, the Havelinas, and I will summarize what I think of my team in one statement. This team sucks, and it's killing me. How can you go and... from first to worst is what you're saying. Well, I'm not worst. I'm just, my team is just, <laughs> ugh. How about that? Just, ugh. You could say that with Gardner Mishu? Yeah, I've got Gardner Mishu, and I'm still not happy. No, I'm really happy with my quarterback play right now. I'm happy with my quarterbacks. I am happy with my tight ends, but my running back and um, wide receiver situation is just a mess right now. Started off with the Antonio Brown thing. At this point of the season, he was one of my top two wide receivers, and he's out. The Green Bay offense, I have Devontae Adams, and that team, it, you know, last week was a nice uh resurgence maybe they have found their footing with the new offense with the new coach and matt flynn rogers really played well for me but the rest of my wide receivers the rookies have been injured and haven't gotten on the field or aren't being used um some of the older players are injured and not getting in uh guys i thought dante moncrief started off getting a lot of targets week one and then basically he's been benched ever since then because he couldn't catch anything which is Never heard anyone say Dante Moncrief's got bad hands, but all of a sudden he he broke his finger, and after that he evidently had a problem early on. That basically it seems like the team's given up on him, which I'm shocked they haven't cut him <laughs> the way they're treating him. But maybe later on in the year he can get back in there, good graces, and get on the field. So I'm just in a. I feel like my team's improving. I feel like some guys are getting on the field. I feel like maybe. I picked up Auden Tate last week, and it looks like he might end up being the number two receiver in Cincinnati going forward. He's developing nicely. Uh, Darius Slayton developing, but overall my team is really, really down. Um, my running backs, I, I was hoping Geis looked like Geis would start off nice, and he then looked really bad, and then tore his meniscus, and Kalen Balazs has definitely trundled down the charts in Miami, and he he's pretty rough. I don't know how I'm two and two. I eked out a victory over Matt's team, the Desperados, that I didn't deserve, and then I lost one last week if, with the defense beating me, much like my defense beat Matt. So it's kind of a I'm two and two, and I don't know how. I could be three and one. I should be zero oh and four, but that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, going forward, what do you what are you gonna do with Brown? He's an old receiver, and does he have a future? Um, I think he still can play. I've, I tend to agree with other people. I think his style of play, his body type, he doesn't appear to be breaking down physically, more mentally than physically. But I'm optimistic that he, it's going to be, I doubt the league clears him of any charges this year. I doubt they're even really trying. And potentially either they're going to figure out something in the offseason and then suspend him for the first part of next year or 
they're going to clear him, basically treat this year as his suspension year for whatever transgressions. Even if he's cleared, then he'll be able to sign with the team in the next year offseason and play next year. So I'm going to hold on to him with the hopes that he can at least return on my roster and I can play with him, use him next season. And hopefully my team will have kind of settled down at the running back position. Maybe some guys come back, get healthy, play more. If I don't do well this year, hopefully get a nice enough draft pick, maybe find a player um, or two at the positions I want to improve at. And just hopefully my team, you know, I, it's, I'm not bad. I hope I'm improving, but I'm just not happy with my team right now. It's just not scoring any points. I think I've scored the least amount of points in the league, and somehow I'm 2-2. Two and two. I've just been very lucky that I've played teams that are not scoring the first four weeks or three of the four weeks to get me to 2-2. Two and two. So it's kind of... In that way, in the in the season this year for our team, but that's fine. It just keep plugging away, still having fun, still enjoying it. So that's all I can do. So how's everybody feeling about the league overall this year? What are your thoughts on the teams? The who's up, who's down, who's sideways, and the league in general at the NFL, just outside of dynasty. What do you feel about what's going on? What do you feel about? You know, dynasty impacts. Does anybody, I've kind of got a little dynasty thought. We'll we'll talk about in a little bit. I've got some dynasty thoughts about wide receivers and and maybe a little wide receiver philosophy change. But let, let's start with just overall our league and teams up and down. What do people think about that and causation? Well, how about uh, Angry Rooster? He's very good. He's he's 4-0 now, and he's got a very solid team. I think the Cowboys being up has helped him the first few weeks. But, I mean, I've always thought he's had a pretty good team. Um Prescott's been hot. He's got a nice, you know, he's got Julio Jones. Chris, Chris Godwin's Godwin been like good. Mm-hmm. Chris Godwin basically won his game for him this week. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he got lucky against Tornadoes, uh, just a low-scoring game overall. But, yeah, I think, you know, he's one of the interesting stories. Uh, I think we all expected Fireballs to be doing well, and they're 4-0, so there's no real surprise there. Couch Potato, I think, has kind of outperformed what we probably expected. And I don't know. I don't know how Couch Potato keeps doing it. He keeps getting you know, wins with a roster that doesn't look very good. It's the New England defense has, has really been well a this year, yeah. And uh, uh, and Scary Terry. Scary Terry's been huge. Terry McLaurin. Yeah, but when a when a defense scores what twenty two points, uh, you know that's crazy. I think we I think we underestimate I think there's a level of consistency involved there. I think he's got just a really solid team. I don't think it's great, but I think it's solid. I know. It's it's incredible. Like like I just don't know how he does it. Because he keeps having high draft picks and he keeps hitting with them and pulling free agents out of nowhere and it's kinda incredible. He's right in the middle. He gets to draft he drafts a lot right in the middle, between, you know, six and ten. Mm-hmm. And that's just high enough that there's talent. But low enough where you're not getting the premier stuff, so it's 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 a little confusing. That but he it's not confusing. It just looks like he's not getting anybody, but he's getting just really solid players, not flashy, and, not spectacular. And his team has done really really well with uh, with free agent pickups. Philip Dorsett's yeah. done really really well for him this year. Free agent pickup. Tyler Boyd's done solid for him this year. It's another free agent pickup. Last year, his team dipped a little bit, and he picked up Philip Lindsay. I won't that forget that. Nice. We were we were both fighting for him, and uh, he was one spot below me last year. So when he's when he has an opportunity on the waiver wire, he's definitely taking advantage. Uh, actually, I picked up Philip Lindsay and traded it to him. Oh, uh, yeah, for what ended up becoming I for what ended up, ended up becoming JJ Osego, I'd say. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at his roster here. I mean, he certainly has some players that I wouldn't say are that spectacular. Uh, Taysom Hill, C.J. Anderson, Alfred Blue, uh, Trenton Cannon, uh, Devin Funches, Seth Roberts, uh, Hayden Hurst. Uh, there's a lot of room there for improvement. I hate, you know, I, at this point, I would Hayden Hurst has more points than uh, now. It's probably the one was he have a touchdown? He's got yeah. more points. Yeah, he's got more points than George Kittle at this time of year. Well, Kittle hasn't had a single yeah. touchdown, but George Kittle's George Kittle. But still, yeah. Mark Andrews has been killing it though in in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Andrews Cooper's is the, been nice. Jeez. Mark Andrews number one, or excuse me, number two scoring tight end right now. Will Disley, Disley. Hey. Number one, Austin Hooper, number four. So there, there have been, it's kind of been, you know, that top three tight ends that everybody drafts high, like in redraft, mm-hmm. haven't really been doing that well. Kelsey's at five, Ertz is at 16. Uh, I don't even see. Oh, Kittle's oh, got to be a- Kittle's, Kittle's at 30. Yeah. He hadn't had a touchdown yet. That's really hurting him. He's been. That's interesting. Speaking of from the George Kittle perspective, I also have Jalen Hurts, a rookie on that team. I think that I get the sense that Shanahan's not too happy with the wide receiver core out there. Like Pettis isn't quite what they thought it was. Garoppolo's not performing well, and I'm not sure if it's just Garoppolo, but you know, Kittle's been held to about 50 yards, a little in the 50s every week. And Jalen Hurts had a evidently, you know, the fractured back, and they're they're not putting him on IR. They're waiting for him to get healthy and come back, which means I, I optimistically for me, I hope that means that they like him and the team, but that, that team is not performing at the level you thought they might. Well, the, the um, receivers aren't, the team in general is actually doing really well. Oh yeah. But, but, but yeah, I'm thinking offensive performance. Like I, I think they've had one big game, but like didn't last, last week they really struggled. You know, and Garoppolo hasn't been really good. I, and they should, I, I guess I'm looking at it from the offensive perspective, you know, this being fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, the running backs have been insane. Knocking it out of the park. Yeah, very good. It's interesting because speaking of the Kyle Shanahan, you know, they basically are blaming like Atlanta looks terrible right now. And largely, I guess that's uh, people are saying it's because when Kyle Shanahan left a couple years ago, you know, two, three years ago, that they've never been the same. And, you know, it's is Matt Ryan done or is it just that Kyle Shanahan's not there and they're calling the offense really bad? But that team, it looks is really rough at this point. Tight ends are interesting right now. The whole league's up and down. The whole league, NFL and Dynasty, is kind of flipped right now. And I'm curious if that's going to play out over the next, you know, 10 weeks where it kind of reverts back to more standard guys we think should perform, perform, teams settle down, defenses start to exert themselves a little more than now that there's tape on guys, film on people. Um, what do y'all think about that? Do you think the league's going to settle back down? I have no idea. Yeah, no idea. It's hard <laughs> to say. Uh, I would like to give a shout-out to the Chupacabras this week for, for doing what the, they do. Chupacabring? <laughs> Chupacabra. Uh, Desperados, unfortunately, was the victim this week. But uh, Chupacabras just comes out of nowhere sometimes. And I'll take credit for coining that phrase because I got Chupacabra year one in the playoffs. In this league, where all season he hadn't scored but like 43 points as a max, and I was scoring really well, and I scored 60 something points, and he scored like 65 and beat me. Didn't King Cobras get Chupacabra in the playoffs as well? Last year, yeah. kind of. 
Yeah, and I, he's uh, chupacabras. We don't give them a lot of credit. They again, they're kind of like they're kind of like um, couch potato. You look at the roster and and you don't really get excited about it. But you know, he's finished like in the top four in the league several times, and it's he's had a really solid team. It's very performing. You just don't look at it and think much of it. But that team at the right time. Well, he must give a hell of a you know halftime or pregame speech as a <laughs> owner because they perform when he needs them. It's unbelievable. They go off and take out the desperados. Are you okay with that, Matt? You're awful quiet. You know it happens. He's great. <laughs> I think what happens with this dynasty is we have it's the fifth year. I think all the teams are getting better. I think experience and everyone's learning each other too. So I think overall the league has gotten so much better. And speaking of that, I think we should give a shout out to the horseman for being two and two and actually being pretty competitive. Is he two and two? He's two and two. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we had kind of said, you know, he's rebuilding this year, but he's, he's proven us wrong. I think. I, I think that players on that team started stepping up. I think that that team had guys and they just weren't. And that's my question is, are they going to keep performing or they may drop off? I'm curious if, you know, Emmanuel Sanders has been performing well this year. Nelson Aguilar's had some big games. It's going to be interesting to see if that continues for him. Yep. Well, does anybody have any NFL thoughts in general, rules changes? I mean, do we think maybe the increased number of holding calls and the new pass interference flags or that is that impacting games a little bit more is that causing offenses to perform or guys that we don't think about to have increased numbers anybody have any thoughts on that or i honestly don't think it's made that big of a difference specifically speaking to the uh pass interference being challengeable they tend to be really really conservative with what they'll actually overturn yeah they are they have been very conservative on that so it, it doesn't seem like it's been changing the game all that much i agree yeah. I think the holding calls have kind of had an impact. They, I guess they've made that a point of emphasis. I've seen just so many holding calls already this season in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, it seems like, up on that. Oh, seems like most of the games I watch, there's a lot of holding calls, more, more so than they would have called in the past. I think most of them have been correct because there's holding on every play. I just, I, I, my understanding was that there was they, they started out the season off with that being a point of emphasis, and they've really continued that throughout the season mm-hmm. so far. Not not that it's wrong, it's just something different. Just curious if that's... Yeah, it breaks up the games a lot. I think there's so many more penalties called this year that teams aren't get a lot of chance to rest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yes, it's definitely a different flow. Okay, so my off-off weird dynasty thought process is about wide receivers. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, we we were discussing earlier the fifth year breakout and I'm I brought this up. I'm kind of I've always had a rule with wide receivers that it's a three year rule um, that by the third season, I expect them to peak. And that's not not peak, not peak for their career, but but peak into what class of receiver wide receiver one wide receiver two, how good I think they're going to be what where they'll be slotted as a player for most of their career and how good they are. And I'm almost suspicious that's becoming a, a two-year thing now with so many colleges having more up-tempo offenses that there's more skilled wide receivers coming out and the teams aren't going to invest a lot of time in waiting for guys to develop or get better. What do you all think about that? 
Well, we've talked about this a number of times that first year production leads to second year production, which leads to third year production. So I, I do think that when you've got that receiver that comes out, and it works for running backs as well, when you don't get that production in the first year, I think you are on a shorter leash. And so it, it you may be correct in that the league is looking at these players uh, in a two-year window rather than a three. I still think that the you, that uh, fifth-year breakout is a thing, and that may turn into a fourth-year breakout. Yeah. Um, so players who are drafted high, uh, who maybe didn't fit the scheme they were drafted into, they get traded to another team, they get a second chance, and all of a sudden they're playing well. Um, but I do think that what you're saying is probably accurate in that there's so many good players coming in and also, when you think about how the CBA is structured, it just makes sense for you to get rookies and give them a chance. And again, first year production leads to second year, second year leads to third year. So from a dynasty perspective, if you get that player and you're high on him and he doesn't get any production in the first year, like for example, when I took Brashad Perryman uh, in 2015, I believe, he was out, he was injured the whole year. And I, th- I thought, well, it's just an injury. It's fine, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not fine. He, he's out the whole year. He doesn't get production. Other players come in. Uh, the following year, he actually got injured again. And I'm like, well, it'll be fine. Um, it, no, it wasn't fine. So I think that looking at production in that first year uh, really gives you insight into where it's going to go, whether it's injury-related or some other type of situation that stops them from being productive. Um, it's, it's really something that I think the league is looking at. And historically, from a statistical point of view, has been shown to be predictive. Uh, first year leads to second year, second year leads to third year production. I'm wondering what the, I guess I'm wondering what the, uh, the floor ceiling concept of that would be. I mean, or I say ceiling, there's not really ceiling. What's the floor? I mean, can we, uh, as I'm just, running it off the top of my head, what would we all feel comfortable with saying a first-year receiver's performance should be that you feel comfortable going forward with them, that you don't feel like you're going into that second year going, I hope this guy develops. You know, Um, like equanimity of St. Brown, do you feel comfortable with him this season? Like, are you hoping he shows more development, or did you feel comfortable with his 300 yards last year as a rookie in that offense going that was borderline i you know i think when you ask about a number i in my head i would start thinking about 400 yards and a couple touchdowns i've i've seen i've seen stats that uh that point to 750 yards in their rookie season being a huge cutoff for future success yeah of course and you're talking wide receiver one i mean that's looking for a guy who probably can be a 1200 to 1500 yard receiver yeah. yeah, we're just we're just talking about uh, let's just say wide receiver three, generic uh, stay in the league guy, the guy in the third yeah. year that you're hoping he has 700, 800 yards and a few touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but, that's you know, absolutely what, true, Matt. That's absolutely true. But again, that goes back to production in the first year. That production in the first year is so predictive, and so yeah, if you've got 750 yards in your first year, that is really something to look at. Um, Alan Hurd's at a thousand, and we saw where that turned out for me with him. <laughs> what did he do in his second year? Uh, I think he had injury issues and dropped down to like six, seven, six hundred, seven hundred, and then it's just been taper off ever since then. He's yeah. never, 
had that same level of performance he had that first year with um, Bortles, you know. And then Bortles yeah. really that next year turned into forced the ball to Allen Robinson. I mean, just forcing it to him like crazy. That was interesting. Well, nothing is uh, guaranteed. So, I mean, there's going to be outliers like that. Yeah. I guess the point of this conversation is just just from the dynasty's perspective, for us, for anyone listening to think about, you know, where how long do you stay with a guy? How how long is the developmental curve? And is that going to be a shortened leash in the NFL? You know, so, you know, is that something you need to pay attention to on your own team and shorten the leash on how long you give guys to develop? I, me and John have talked about this. You know, that length of time, how long do you hold a guy? How long do you think about until he becomes what you think he should be as a player? And more and more, it's looking like rookies. I mean, I'm just glancing at Desperado's roster, and he's got a lot of rookies putting up a lot of nice numbers. And it makes you think that you should just really expect rookies to jump right into the league. And be. I've never expected rookies to jump right into the league and be highly performing, but it kind of looks more and more like you can almost expect that from wide receivers. It's turning into that in the league a little bit. It's been running backs, and now it's starting to be a little bit of receivers. I, I don't think it's tight ends yet. Can yeah. I say I'm suspicious that running backs might turn into the wide receivers in the NFL? With so much passing going on in college, that running backs might turn into a developmental position you might see a three-year window on? Is that an odd thought? I'd never thought about that, that thought, bell cow, show up, boom. But um, if, if they're not getting the touches in college and not developing in college, do they have to develop in the NFL like receivers used to previously, like flipping the, the script kind of thing? No, I don't think the evidence points to that. I think in standard scoring, there's only one or there's not a single running back older than 25 in the top 15. So I think running backs are still coming out of the gate swinging. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's generally been the rule. I'm just curious. I mean, if that's if that rule changes, I, I don't know if it is. It's spitballing. It's just something to watch and something to think about going forward. I don't think it happens because, again, more guys are right around the shoot, and it's not necessarily like you want to hold on to guys forever. So you might as well run them to death and get rid of them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've I've seen a, a number of studies that say uh, in dynasty, use your first pick, first round pick on a running back, just and, no matter what. Yeah, no matter what, and then trade them if you needed mm-hmm. a receiver. Trade them when the time comes to get a receiver. Yeah. I, th- I think with wideouts in drafting rookie wideouts, the the percentage of them failing is a lot greater than obviously running backs. So of course you want to, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot more risk with the wideouts. So how do you pick a good wideout? <laughs> Especially in that first year too, because if you spend a high pick on a running back, running backs are so much more likely to go up in value their first year then go down and wide receivers, it's the opposite. Because as we're talking about, a really, really, really good year for a wide receiver, uh, a, a rookie wide receiver is like 750, 800 yards. Meanwhile, you'll have a lot of look, rookie running backs on any given year come out post 1,200 plus yards. Um, and the sort of thinking behind draft a running back early is – if you draft that running back early, you can trade it for that 800-yard receiver that you wanted anyway. Yeah, in fact, I, I remember seeing a study that showed that running backs were the only position that gained value after the first year. Mm-hmm, I saw the same thing. Yeah. That's because um, it's a and, proven commodity and people are willing to trade for it because they're, they're scarce. Yeah, if you don't and, have a top six pick in a dynasty draft, probably the best running backs are already gone. 
Speaking of success rates, you know, we have a lot of metrics about success and just going off just based off of position. Is that classifying success as being a running back too? This this success uh, metric is based on being a starter for half of your career. Okay. So here's tight ends, uh, 67, 50, 39, 33, 32, 26% in the sixth round. Whereas uh, quarterbacks, 63, 27, 17 in the third round, 8 in the fourth. Uh, Running backs are 58, 25, 16, 11, 9, 6. And receivers... Receivers are 58-49, so they hold up better in the second round. 25-12-16-9. Yeah, they so held up rec- better all the way across until the very last sixth round. Yeah, so receivers in the second round still about a 50% shot. Uh, but tight ends all the way through the sixth round, you know, 30% on in those later rounds, and that's a pretty good percent chance. That's, that's yeah, so, you know, and and – no, very few running backs get drafted in the first round anymore. I mean, it's just a taboo thing to do in the NFL. Like, it's like one or two a year. Yeah. Josh, whatever that you got was Josh Jacobs. That That's that's the abnormal one. It's not even one or two a year. It's one or two every few years anymore. I don't even know if it's yearly anymore. I don't know if a running back gets drafted every year. I mean, Barkley did. And the Giants kind of got ripped for taking Barkley that high. Because that they, they that's a lot of draft capital. They felt mm-hmm. like they needed a quarterback. There were quarterbacks available, and they took him. He's a great talent, but you know it, he had a phenomenal year last year. But it didn't make the team win games, and True. that that's kind of the NFL's. I mean, I, that's what was shocking about Oakland taking you know Jacobs in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may not see much more first round drafting of running backs going forward. It's going to be rare. And and if you can get him, if you can get that first round guy who's taken like you do with Jacobs, take him because mm-hmm. they're probably going to use him. I'd be interested to see how, how those success rates and when they were good, like stacks up with their career. Because in dynasty, if you can buy low and sell high over and over again, you're going to be great. So if tight ends take to year three consistently to develop, you might be better off taking the guy with the lower percent uh, chance to break out or a uh, ch- chance to be successful in the hopes that you can later trade him for somebody without missing any, any production. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I should probably be more trade active, but at the same time, I don't, I, I, I get real leery of trading too much of my talent away on more picks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because yeah. you never know if you're going to necessarily replace the talent yeah. you have. Yeah. Unless you can, yeah. I mean, you can get Stefan Diggs, but he hasn't been performing. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's why, you know, fire a bunch of bullets, especially in, if you're drafting late in the first or full on through the rest of your draft at his dynasty, just gather wide receivers. Yeah. You know? Take a shot because your odds of one of them hitting is going to be better than any other position. Unless you just really feel like you're keyed in on a player. 
And it's nice to draft high. And that's, you know, if, if your teams don't perform and you keep drafting high every year, you're going to eventually build up enough talent optimistically to to be a better team, you know? So lose and improve. Well, does anyone there's, else have any? Huh? There's the groundbreaking advice. Lose. Lose a lot. Lose, lose to improve. <laughs> lose to improve. <laughs> yes. You have to lose strategically. Suck for <laughs> luck, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Tank for Tua. Tank for Tua. That's... I I don't know if I trust Tua. I I, I I don't know about him. We'll have to see. What's let's um as a quick speaking of a Tua type of QB, what's everybody think of Kyler Murray right now? I, I had a very cautious I didn't think he was gonna perform well. He's struggling. What's what's everybody think about that situation? He's struggling, but he's doing better than I expected. Yeah, I think he looks solid. For a rookie quarterback, I think he looks pretty solid. I think he's performing about as well as you can expect behind that offensive line. He's the most sacked QB in the league. That's a terrible offensive line. It was terrible last year, and they did nothing to fix it. Hey, but they drafted three receivers. Oh, hey. You know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right right now, uh, Murray is the 18th 18th quarterback as far as points go. That's not too bad. He's getting... um... I think his usage, his opportunity is a little higher. I mean, his the number of passes per game is probably significantly more than any other quarterback because, they, A, they can't run, so they're just throwing the ball. Yeah, he they scored uh, 13, 7, 10, and 9. So not incredible numbers, but not terrible. Yeah, that's not horrible. I mean, from the fantasy perspective, he's been okay. I, I just don't know if his game – I don't – He's been okay. He had that one big game, and then after that, he's been kind of middling. And yeah, yeah, big game is thirteen points. That's that's not really a big game from our standards. Well, that, that exciting comeback game where they tied. Oh, the oh, yeah. What a crazy what was game. That huge that second was, half. Everybody. Do said, we have to go stop. there? No, we don't. <laughs> let's let's we don't. not go there. Let's not. Lions fan here. Yeah, well, Lions fan. You're going to have to just take a little bit of it, Bill, when you're in discussion and just accept that. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see him behind a good line, though. I agree with that. Point. It would, for sure. Yeah. Well, but that's supposed to be the beauty of Kyler Murray. He doesn't need a good line. He's so mobile. Everyone needs a good line. He's just phenomenal back there. He can just run around everyone. He's just the fastest guy anyone's ever seen. It. Quarterback's got to play on his feet to throw the ball right. Right. But I thought he had an arm, like a like a second baseman or something, or a shortstop. <laughs> just has a cannon. Sorry, I'm being facetious. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> says the guy who's got Aaron Rodgers. He's got a cannon, but he hasn't. I'm I'm just cross my fingers that they figured something out last week and they got that offense going because they couldn't run the football and they said, "Hey, Aaron, throw it." And then Aaron said, "Oh, okay. I think I remember how to do that." And then Devontae oh. Adams and him were great until Adams tweaked his toe. It was it was Green Bay's first chance to have to score all those points too. So yeah. it's a new coach, so give him some time. Well, I'll ask for a little opinion on Mark. What's everybody think of Gardner Minshew? I like him. Uh, I was the man, upset. the myth, the mustache. He's awesome. Yeah, the secret garden. I I wished that I was able to pick him up on waivers that week, and you know you got fortunate, as Matt said on a previous podcast, to lose in the first week and have the first badly. Week. With the lowest amount yeah. of points scored. Yep. So you got that, that benefit. I like him. We'll just have to see how well he can go uh, moving forward. 
What? How do you? So I'm suspicious. Foles is going to reclaim the starting uh, position when he comes back because Foles looked pretty good for one half of football before he got hurt. Um, but Minshew seems to have won the team's heart, maybe, and the fans' heart. I, yeah, you know, Foles. The entirety of the NFL's heart. Foles has never, in my opinion, just been that great. I agree. I just don't know. I think teams go with a hot hand. They go with who is going to fill seats. And as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, I don't think Foles is getting that job back. Yeah, yeah. they took they took him as a stopgap too. They didn't take him as a you know premier quarterback for the next yes. ten years. Yes, it's that kind of underdog, plucky. Can do attitude that's going to get Gardner Minshew into the Hall of Fame. Let's uh, <laughs> the and, and how good of a manager he is at his local auto zone. <laughs> are you are you saying that he's going to be out of the league in a couple of years in an auto zone? Is that the implication? I'm just saying he has to look for it. Man, you know stereotypes are not becoming of someone who's at a premier university, Matt, learning a very <laughs> <laughs> liberal education. <laughs> Yeah, he does look like he'll be changing my oil at some point or, you know, managing an AutoZone, selling me an oil filter. Did you see the thing with him and uh, Uncle Rico from Napoleon Mm -hmm. Dynamite? No, I have not. Should I I see this? Is it something that's going to make me want to drop him off my roster? No. no, If you you liked Napoleon Dynamite and you thought Uncle Rico was hilarious, which I did and do, uh, it's a funny segment because they Uncle Rico is this character who, who says, you know, I think I could throw this football over that mountain. Minshew kind of looks like him a little bit. And yeah. so they they just did a segment with them together, kind of both saying, I, I think I could throw this football over the, the stadium wall or something like that, you know. Oh, uh, did you guys did you guys hear the crazy story of Minshew in college? Hitting his hand with a hammer to try and get a medical red shirt? No. He talked about it on a podcast. He came in for half of a game, and it was going to ruin his red shirt, and he wanted another year of eligibility. So that night, he, t- he drank a bunch of bourbon and hit his hand with a hammer repeatedly to try and break it and get a medical red, sh- red shirt. 100% true. He told it on a podcast. It's crazy. This guy is such a legend. I don't know what I think about that. He's either the most amazing, <laughs> he is the most interesting man in the world, or is it complete insano? It's so oh, crazy. I don't know if I'm more in love with him or completely freaked out. And it but you know what? In it, love with him. it paid off because he was about to, uh, Saban wanted him to go to Alabama and mm-hmm. be a backup. And then he was going to get on, he wanted him on his coaching staff. And, <laughs> and the pirate, my, um, can't think of his name, Mike, um, Washington State. What's the coach's Leech. name? Leech. Mike Leach. He uh, he says, "Hey, come here and lead the nation in passing." So he goes up there, plays really well, gets drafted. And now look at him. So uh, hitting your hand, getting drunk on bourbon, and smashing your hand with a hammer evidently gets you in the NFL. <laughs> Start today, young quarterbacks. Smash your hand with a hammer, just not the hand you're throwing with. Make it your offhand, your hand offhand. That's the yeah, un- the left one's unnecessary. Yeah. You don't want to tear a ligament like Drew Brees and be out for a few weeks. Just smash your offhand with a hammer. When is Foles coming back? He is he on IR? He he, he might not be back for a while. Broke mm. that collarbone, got screws put in it. I mean, I could see that being a 
four to six week injury, and he's already out this week. So we're looking at least four and a half weeks so far. No reason yeah, but, to rush him back. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what Jacksonville does when Foles oh, comes back. He is on IR. Okay. So was that eight weeks? Twelve? Yeah, eight weeks. Eight, eight weeks. So, so week nine is his early. So come back around week ten. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we'll get the full minute. I mean, that's the biggest reason I picked up Minshew is just because he was going to be given a, a nice long trial period to to. And I I had interest in him. If I could, and I could have got him late in the draft. I just I looked at film of him before the draft, and I was like, this guy, he's got something. He looks exciting, but I didn't have a like. I think he's a top tier quarterback. Look, just that, you know. But you were wrong. Next, I, I thought next, was next Tom Brady right here. We'll hey, see. Well, hey, <laughs> I thought that he had something. He had a certain Brett Farvian kind of thing without, you know, all the talent and the arm strength and everything like that, like Brett Farve has. But he had something. Um, people, people who have played with him have also said he's like off the scale in intangibles. Like he works really, really hard. He's a really, really good leader, stuff like that. He got drunk on bourbon and smashed his hand with a hammer. I think that story tells all you need to know about a man like yeah. that. You know? But people like him. Uh, there's no, That story is awesome. It shows the level <laughs> he's willing to go to to be able to continue to play. A guy's going to do that. I'm not serious. That is just insane. <laughs> I, I, and not in a negative way. Just in an oh my gosh way. And if he's willing to do that, I, man, that guy run through a brick wall for you. That's, that's no problem. Yeah, what will you take for a trade for him, Marty? Right now? Yeah, right now. Oh, God. I want a first-round pick and a player. Wow. It's early, but he's shown he can perform. The team really likes him. It's possible he's the starter there for three. I don't. I mean, I don't know. And But I don't want to trade him for a bag of peanuts and a tickets to the circus and then have him turn into some guy who plays for 12 years in the NFL and would have been great on my roster. Not that I'm offering it so like a Baker Mayfield. I trade for Baker Mayfield. I and I'd probably pay you extra, like a second round pick or a third round pick. Yeah, it's not an interest. I'm just trying to gauge your level of, of interest. Or, yeah. Or how, how well, I, interested. I have I have no illusions that I think he's a top, top, top tier quarterback, but I also he's starting right now. The team likes him. He's performing well. They're winning games. He's getting the extended look, he's going to grow from that look and become better. I, I, I'd i take it before Kyler Murray. Yeah, at this point. I, eh, the, I don't the think draft I cap, would. The draft capital I, in Kyler Murray makes me think the Cardinals are a little more married to him for a three-year window than they are Minshew. Yeah, we're, we're not even sure Minshew is going to be starting come week 11. Yeah, that's the thing. And so, I again, I just don't know. I mean, because, but if he wins that team and they're winning games, I have trouble seeing them benching him for foals i mean he's gonna have to have a few weeks of you know he could be the modern dak prescott where romo gets injured he comes in and that's the end of it you know now they did put a lot of money in foals so they're kind of wedded to that situation so that'll be interesting to see i'm not sure exactly how that contract is structured or if they could get out of it that, and it's really early to talk about that you know from a dynasty perspective I'll I'll take him over five ten Kyler Murray because you know he he can run and not get killed. Kyler Murray back there just looks a little small. He looks tiny. Is Gardner Minshew bow legged or something? He runs funny. He just looks funny. Okay, I have an odd off 
do we think that uh so me and john have had this discussion and it comes back to josh rosen but it's about miami tanking i don't know i don't believe miami's tanking i think they well, i don't think they're necessarily i don't think they're trying to win per se but i don't think they're what you might call tanking i think they're trading like i got a lot of malcontents off that team but i think rosen's getting better as a quarterback out there than he was at arizona what's anybody's thought on that i think they're tanking you think they're just throwing away their best players and getting draft picks? Uh-huh. And I think they're I mean, definitely they traded away Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a really, really good corner safety hybrid, and like yeah. twenty four years old. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand why they're doing what they're doing, but I definitely I, think they're tanking. I I think they're not trying to win. I I don't think they're selling out to win. I'll put it that way. I don't think they're trying to. I think it was after when they the, it was floated out there that Tunsil might be traded, and the response was that there were guys on the team like acting like they're going to boycott. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that was a very I think that their head coach being Mister you know learned at the feet of Belichick. I think they said we're going to get rid of the malcontents. We're going to get rid of the guys who aren't doing what we you know playing our type of ball or mentality. But even with the uh, just the Tunzel trade in a vacuum, they traded away their two best offensive players. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah, they they definitely traded. I mean, I I agree with you. I, again, they're not trying to win, but I just wonder how much of that is getting rid of guys that might be a problem on that team. And this goes back to me thinking Adam Gase was a moron that let Tannehill run that team and, and screwed that team up. I think Adam Gase is going to run the Jets into the ground, too. I don't know how that guy got that job. It was an idiotic hire to me. That was the worst head coach hire, in my opinion, this offseason. Yeah. Maybe it was the crazy-eyed uh, press conference. Maybe that – the crazy <laughs> eyes. Like, he's like some kind of gypsy or some kind of, like – you know, like, you watch the old horror movie, and they have the bug-eyed guy, and it's freaking everybody out, and he's, like, hypnotizing people. He did that in the interview, and they just said, we have to, we have to get him, you know. That might yeah. be giving a little too much credit to the, uh, the Jets' front office. Well, no, I, uh, well, nothing like firing your GM after he's did the draft. That's always a classic Golly. smart behavior. Yes, I think we've done a good, guys. Thank you for another interesting, exciting week in the Renegade Dynasty podcast. Definitely better than 0 4. Uh, you know, you know, um, just, bleh. how about that? Just yeah, you can't screw that up. I don't care how that sounds. You know, rejiggering. Are you okay with that, Matt? You're awful quiet. Everyone needs a good luck. So lose and improve. Make it your offhand. Your hand offhand. The left one's unnecessary. And but I don't want to trade him for a bag of peanuts and a tickets to the circus. You know, like you watch the old horror movie and they have the bug eye guy and it's freaking everybody out and he's like hypnotizing people. He was a decent quarterback. I think that's what you get. You get Vinny Testaverde. <laughs>